Well, welcome. It's good to see you. Have you? Uh, we've been doing a series, and we're continuing in the series, uh, which I've titled "Be Joyful," and we've been looking at the book of Philippians. Uh, today, I've uh, titled this message "Have an Attitude of Gratitude." Now, this can seem uh, like very superficial. Uh, this can seem like you know, okay, let's just be nice for today, or if things are going well, then you just have an attitude of gratitude. But there's, this is one of those messages that really you can hear it and receive it on different levels. There's a profound uh, change in attitude, which I believe the Lord would want us all to uh, have. Uh, but it's not always that obvious. Like, how do we take on the Lord's uh, attitude but uh, before we uh, jump into to that, I, I want to share a few other thoughts here that uh, people have written on th uh, th this idea, uh, starting with the, the business world. Uh, you know, business leadership books sell like crazy because uh, uh, they're really popular and people like to improve their business and whatever strategy or insight or methodology that you can come up with that'll improve business. Of course, people uh, hunger for that. So uh, a, a book uh, by the guy's name is uh, Lewis Howes, uh, New York Times bestseller, Lewis Howes. Uh, his book is called School of Greatness. But uh, in his book, uh, there's, a, there's a quote which really uh, resonates well with me. He says this, If you concentrate on what you have, you always have more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you'll never have enough. And it's kind of like you have to think of that for a second. Yeah, if you're constantly concentrating on what you don't have, I mean, you'll always realize that you don't have enough. It's like, and if your attitude becomes, I don't have it, I don't have enough, and this is not good enough, and you know, this is a problem here, and, and it's always negative, or the glass is always half full, or you're always focused on like what you don't have, it becomes part of your attitude. And so what he's saying, you know, clearly just from a business standpoint, he says there needs to be some focus on what you do have and uh, the good things that you do have. Uh, you can't only be focused on the things that aren't enough. But uh, this phrase, uh, have an attitude of gratitude, really uh, cropped up when I was working with uh, women in recovery. There's a recovery house here called Serenity House in town. And uh, a bunch of years back, we spent a lot of time uh, working with, with the women in recovery. And I do not have a recovery background, so uh, a lot of the teaching and a lot of the methodology uh, was new to me. But I was particularly impressed uh, with the way th the folks there were instructing the women. Now, let me just put it this way. The women that were in recovery were there for one or two reasons. Either it was an option by the judge. You either go to jail or you go to recovery. So these, you know, these women weren't really there because they were just trying to fix themselves up. They were there because they kind of like had to be there. So you can imagine their attitude wasn't always the best. Uh, and so one of the things that the folks that have been through recovery and the folks that are, uh, been, got to the other side of this they were really pressing heavily on this fact that you need to have an attitude of gratitude. And then to go along with it, they'd say, fake it until you make it. 
because they didn't have an attitude of gratitude, and they said, well, too bad, just fake it. And, and, and the idea was this. They said, if you fake it long enough and you get into the, ad- the mindset and have the attitude of having gratitude, eventually it'll stick. Because the folks that are in recovery have a habit of blaming everybody. They blame, you know, their family disasters. They blame, like, you know, the people that they've stolen from. And they blame, like, you know, they've got excuses for everything other than dealing with their own issues. And so the folks in recovery, those that have been there, they can see through that and said, stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Stop blaming your problem on everybody else and every other situation. Take responsibility for who you are and what you've done and have an attitude of gratitude and allow uh, this mindset uh, to sink in. Start being thankful that you're actually here in the recovery house and that you're not in jail. Be thankful that you actually have people, you know, leaders trying to look out for your well-being and are actually trying to help you recover and do well. Be thankful that there's people teaching you that have actually made it and they've actually have a track record of success. You know, start listening and start getting that attitude. I mean, and they would just press that heavily. And I, I remember listening to them thinking, wow, this seems so fake. I mean, like, really? You're just going to tell somebody that's self-focused, a stealer, you know, a liar, a deceiver, and, and are like experts at that, and they're going to just be happy? But it, it, it was part of, the, it, part of the program. It's part of the thinking. Shift your attitude to have one that's an attitude of gratitude. And so, you know, the business world is saying, hey, there's a benefit to it. The recovery world uh, is saying there's a benefit uh, to having a good attitude. And then, uh, according to researchers at Eastern Washington University, they said there are four primary characteristics of a grateful people. And I thought this was really interesting. And... Uh, what they were saying is these people often write thank you notes and they journal. Uh, and as they do that, uh, they find that it strengthens them and it invigorates them. But then they said people who experience the most gratitude and therefore the positive effects tend to feel a sense of abundance in their lives. Okay, th- those people that have a mindset of an attitude of gratitude, they, they, they sense there's an abundance in their life. They appreciate the contributions of others to their well-being. In other words, they're grateful that other people have helped them in their well-being. You know, they can, they can see it. And then the third point that they've experienced, and I like this a lot, is they recognize and enjoy life's small pleasures. Small pleasures. They can recognize, you start saying, you know, just being grateful for, for small things. And then uh, acknowledge the importance of experiencing and expressing gratitude. So you experience gratitude and you express gratitude and you acknowledge that. You actually make an effort to express gratitude uh, to others. Uh, When it comes to uh, friendship, I mean, most people, if if you're trying to have friends, you're trying to make friends or you look at people that have a lot of friends and you envy the amount of friends that you have you know here's a little tip Uh, people that are generally encouraging and are generally positive are generally attractive people that are generally moaners and complainers and just like 
are generally difficult to be around. I mean, just, you know, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? And so we all look at ourselves and say, well, how, you know, how do I stack up on this? And, you know, we need to be real, uh, realistic too. But generally speaking, you know, outward, happy, positive people are nice to be around. And you should be nice to be around. You too should be happy and positive and grateful and thankful and, and you know, that, that sort of thing. It, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really a good thing. Uh, but again, you know, as you're looking at this and you think, yeah, of course, I want to be positive and I want to be, uh, 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 you know, a good person and I want to fit in and I want to have good friends and all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, you think, is this just sort of skin deep or how do you know that you really are this way? Um, or how do you know it's like penetrated who you are? Um, I, I had a, another interesting encounter with uh, or discussion or feedback with uh, Janine Panicelli uh, from our church. Uh, Fran is here, and for those of you that might be visiting or first time today, Janine was in a horrific head-on collision uh, on Route 140 in, in Bellingham a, f a few weeks ago, and uh, it was just really, really bad. Got me you know, medi-flighted down to Boston. But uh, here was the interesting thing that, that uh, Janine was sharing uh, w with us, and she's doing really well, by the way. I mean, she's like super smiling, and, and uh, her, her, you know, her energy's back. She's got a long way to go in her recovery. Uh, I think she'll probably be at Braintree Rehab for another uh, week or two weeks, and, and then it's going to be months before uh, you know, all her bones and her arms and are functioning again. But anyway, so she, she has this accident, and uh, driving behind her is somebody that works at Milford Medical uh, Regional Hospital, and he's dressed in his scrubs, and so uh, he's the first one on the scene, and uh, he gets to Janine, and of course, you know, it's just like, is this girl dead? I mean, the car is just so mangled, and she's still pinned inside it. And uh, one of the things that's happened is Janine has broken her nose, and there's blood everywhere. And so she says to this guy, uh, listen, uh, can you please clean up my face? Because I know my husband's going to be here soon, and I don't want him to see me like this. So the guy's like, okay, look, let me try and loosen your seatbelt, and are oh, you still alive? And he, and he says, look, just hang on to my hand. Uh, I'm going to just, you know, phone 911. I'm just going to wait until, until the medics are here. And, and he, he tracked down Janine, and he found her, her email. I don't know how he tracked it down. And this is what he said. He said, it was really surprising because I'm trying to hold your hand and just encourage you. And all you're saying is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, the God, that I'm alive. Now, now, let me tell you, I don't know about you, but if you pinned in a car and you're fighting with life and death, is your attitude one of gratitude? Like, you, you'd like, thank you, Jesus. I'm still alive. I'm hanging in here. I mean, you know, there's like a depth to it when, we, when we're under pressure. How do we respond? And, uh, yeah, uh, there's, it's, there's something that we want to get this uh, attitude. We want to learn how to do it. Uh, we want to be like that. Um, now, the other thing that they found uh, also uh, in some study, uh, the University of Pennsylvania, uh, they did an interesting study on this, and uh, they found out that when you express gratitude, write a letter, say something positive, that you end up receiving a benefit yourself that kind of lasts disproportionately long for you. 
so they found, uh, because, you know, hey, when you're doing your PhD, you've got lots of time to do these sort of things. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. Who would, who would know? Uh, anyway, but they found that when you wrote a letter and delivered the letter, one letter that you write, thank you card, you personally feel the benefit for a month. A month. Now, don't ask me exactly the science behind that. I'm not a PhD student. I just like took their research and said, this is what they found. Uh, the other thing they said that is this. If you personally write down in a journal three positive events each day for one week, okay, you write three positive things for your day, you write it down in a journal, and you do it for one week, you get a benefit for six months. Now, again, you have to be a PhD student to figure out the science and the math and the mechanics and the accuracy and the probability and however they do that. But I want you to look at this uh, video clip uh, because I think it's really helpful. If we can get that, Blake, that would be great. <laughs> what? Wait. <laughs> Wait. I was going to be so embarrassed. makes you happy? Having fun? Hanging out with friends? Delicious food? Making money? Well, consider this. Psychologists have scientifically proven that one of the greatest contributing factors to overall happiness in your life is how much gratitude you show. Yeah? Think about that. Go ahead and marinate on it for a second. You can thank me later if you want. It'll make you feel better according to this study. You go ahead and click on it and read it if you want. Or you can keep watching because we read it and we thought it might be fun to test out for ourselves. We gathered a selection of volunteers to act as our subjects. First, we gave them a test. They didn't know what we were looking for, but it gave us a pretty good idea of their current level of happiness. We asked them to close their eyes and think of somebody who was really influential in their life, somebody who did something really amazing or important for them. We had them write down as much as they could about why this person was so important. Now, a lot of them thought at this point the experiment was over, until we really put them on the spot and tried to get them to call that person and read what they wrote about them. Thank you, Jessica. We're gonna have to have you call your mother. So who is that right person for you? Person is my sister, Erica. We're gonna give Erica a call. <laughs> okay. Who'd you end up picking? Friend of mine, uh, Craig Ains. Her name is Dora. My college accounting instructor. Really? Mm -hmm. Is this somebody you're still in touch with today? No, I'm assuming that he's passed on. That's, that's a shame. To the great beyond. You up for it? Um, uh, yes. What would you say if we called up Dora? Oh, well, we can try, but she lives in Britain. In Britain? Oh, no, never by heart, dude. This is awful. That's fine. I don't know my mom's number by heart. If it's true that uh, those who are going on are looking down on us, maybe he read my chicken scratch. Hey, sweetheart. Hey, how you doing? Um, yeah. You got a second? Where you at? In the hotel? I am. I'm in the hotel. Uh-huh. You scared me when you asked if I had no. a second or something was wrong. No. I'm on this I'm on like this little TV show and they told me to talk about the person that influenced me the most and I picked you and then and they're making uh -huh. me call you. they're making me call you. Oh, wonderful. Hi, you reached Craig, I'm not here right now. At the tone, please record your message. Oh, come on. <laughs> Hello? Hi. Hi. Erica? It's me. 
All right, so I got to read you this paragraph. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, All right. sweetheart. All right. The person that influenced me the most would be my mother, Marlo Dawson. She is a single mother of two. She is a very hard worker and dedicated to her family. Hey, Craig, this is Loey. Um, this is going to be a funny little voicemail, so I hope you enjoy it. I'm so sorry for calling you at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I have to read this to you, okay? And you can't say anything or, I don't know, you can respond, but I probably will just keep going. <laughs> okay? Is everything okay? Yes, but I have to read this out loud to you. The person who has had the biggest impact on my life outside of Jesus Christ, who is responsible for my existence, was my college accounting instructor. He had a joy and enthusiasm for his job like no other teacher I have ever known. I love her to death and she keeps me going with positive talk. She is a woman that knows what she wants and won't give up until it is achieved. Oh, I first met Craig on an independent feature film set in Whitefish, Montana. I recently have been sending Craig a lot of positive thoughts as he's suffered a series of health problems. Despite his medical problems, he's continued to work and take pleasure in the small things in life, like sitting quietly with his wife Janine on the porch. Erica is my older sister and my best friend. <laughs> Sometimes it even feels like we are twins. She's my number one fan and my number one supporter. She makes me happy because despite all my mistakes and my decisions, she still loves me no matter what. Your friendship is everything. And you are, you are one of the most important person in my life. Even when she has a kid and many children, I will love her more than her kids. Okay, maybe not. I will never forget when she flew 3,000 miles to the drop of a phone call to save me from a breakup. I'm being blessed by having a son like you. I love you. Bye. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> I don't know because they made me do it. <laughs> Thank you for picking up. Bye, sweetie. And then they're like, here, you're going to write this letter. And then I wrote like this whole long ass letter, which, you know, I like don't write. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, guess what? Now we're going to call her and you're going to read her this letter. And I was like, what the f Before we let them go, we gave our subjects one more happiness test. Now we mixed up and rephrased the questions so they didn't know they were taking the same test twice. For those who took the time to actually write something down but couldn't make the phone call for whatever reason, we saw happiness increase between 2 and 4%. Good, but not exactly mind-blowing. Now for those who actually picked up the phone and personally expressed their gratitude, we saw increases between 4 and 19%. So either way, expressing your gratitude will make you a happier person. But you want to know something really interesting? The person who experienced the biggest jump in happiness was the least happy person who walked in the door. What does that mean? That means if you're having a particularly tough time, trying this out will more likely have a greater impact on you. Trust me, I'm in a lab coat. In fact, while you're at it, film it and upload it to us, and we'll do something awesome with it. I'm Julian, and this has been The Science of Happiness. Open cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah.
Yes. <laughs> Jesus, we just, uh, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be here today, uh, Lord, that you would connect with us and allow us, Lord, to uh, develop an attitude of gratitude that you would have us have towards you, uh, towards those that we love, and, Lord, the ability to express it. So, Lord, I just pray for your spirit to be here. Help me to preach this this morning. Uh, open up your word. Uh, we invite you to change us and transform us to become more like you, Jesus. Uh, in your name. Uh, amen. Yeah, so uh, I'm particularly intrigued, you know, again and again, as we look at Scripture, that often uh, God will say things or tell us to do things, and uh, it's really for our, our well-being. I mean, God knows what's best for us in our lives. And often he'll just, you know, give us a command or give us a statement or give us some advice for, for living. And uh, what often God doesn't do is give us a lot of explanation as to, like, why that works. Uh, but what I find particularly intriguing is that you know, uh, God will say things like have an attitude of gratitude, and I'll read a few scriptures from Philippians uh, in this way. Uh, and yet you find like, okay, all these guys are doing, you know, this research study, not coming from that uh, necessarily a Christian background, but the, the evidence supports what the Bible is saying we should do. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's remarkable. So let me just read uh, two verses from Philippians uh, as we working through this book. And uh, as I said, uh, titling today's message, How to Have an Attitude of Gratitude. Philippians 3.1, it says this. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. And then Philippians 4.4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Okay, so again, you know, sometimes we'll memorize these scriptures. And uh, we don't memorize the context. We just memorize the scripture. So, you know, be, the scripture will be re rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, you know, or always give thanks to the Lord or, you know, whatever it is. But again, what makes the scripture deep, what makes it powerful, what makes this not just like superficial is remembering that Paul is sitting in jail, not knowing if he's going to live or die. Uh, and it's also like Paul is doing exactly what these guys have figured out. He's writing a letter to these people. And remember, our first opening sermon that I did in this series was, uh, you know, obviously right from the beginning of chapter one. And where Paul is says, you know, I rejoice when I think about you and I pray for you. So Here's Paul. He's writing a letter. He's telling them that he, he rejoices and that he loves them and he likes them. Now, it's not to say that Paul is not dealing with real problems. He's sitting in prison. He's got two women that he's also addressing in this uh, letter, uh, Utica and Syntyche, and he's saying, listen, stop fighting. 
He doesn't tell us why they're fighting. Or he doesn't tell them how to stop fighting. He just says, you know, you've got to get rid of the conflict and just like do it. And he moves on. But Paul is able to express this attitude of gratitude uh, in, in, in really practical ways. Now, whatever, let me read again. Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens. You know, I'm thinking of like Janine. It's like, okay, I'm in a car accident. I'm, it's like life and death. Whatever happens, I, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm giving thanks. I mean, this is not glib. This is not superficial. It's like oozing out of it. Uh, can we, you know, get that in us? It, you know, if, if we get trapped in a car accident, are we going to be oozing out, thank you, Jesus? You know, or, 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 or what? Uh, but I was also particularly interested in this phrase that Paul is putting in here. This idea of safeguarding your faith. You know, if I'd have asked you, I said, okay, uh, how would you safeguard your faith? How would you make sure that you like always encouraged by Jesus? How would you like make sure that, uh, you know, church never gets boring and Jesus never gets boring and it never gets old and the routine doesn't like, you know, become old? Uh, how would you safeguard your faith? I think you'd give me a whole lot of list of a whole lot of things. I'd read my Bible more, I'd pray more. I don't know what all would be on your list. But I'd be surprised if on your list was you need to have an attitude of gratitude. You need to keep rejoicing in the Lord. I, I think I'd, I'd be surprised if that was there. And yet, that's what Paul is saying. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. Safeguard your faith. You know, as... As I was reflecting on that, I was thinking this is just such an interesting uh, insight, this idea of safeguarding your faith by being grateful. Uh, another scripture came to mind. In fact, a whole other book in the Bible came to mind. And it's probably the complete opposite to the book of Philippians. I mean, if the book of Philippians is, you know, as I've titled, Be Joyful, I was thinking of the prophet Jeremiah. And the prophet Jeremiah, I mean, it is like one doomy letter to read. I mean, it's basically like, you Israelites, you've messed up. I've warned you a thousand times. And like, man, doom is coming and the enemy's close. And, you know, why did you, whatever. Let me. So I wanted to read a little bit, just give you the flavor of uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 2. And I, I'm actually going to read it verse 20 and go backwards because uh, I want us to get the point and then the build-up. But verse 20 says this, Long ago I broke the yoke that oppressed you and tore away the chains of your slavery. But still you said, I will not serve you. Okay, so here's Jeremiah. He's writing to the, uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, and he said, Listen, I got you out of slavery. And I've done all these great things for you. But now that time has passed and the routine of doing, you know, temple and whatever or not became boring and mundane and, you know, God was, became a little distant and, and you've basically rejected me. And you've basically said, I will not serve you. 
This is God talking. This is God saying, this is a way I'm judging people's hearts and I'm judging the situation. I did all these great things for you, but you will not serve me despite what I've done. And then the build-up to that is this. Your wickedness will bring its own punishment. Your turning from me will shame you. You will see what an evil, bitter thing it is to abandon the Lord, the, uh, your God, and not to fear Him. And then one of the things that uh, the Israelites had done is they you know, were worried about who's going to attack them and their safety. And so in verse 18, What have you gained by your alliances with Egypt and with your covenants with Assyria? You know, so I'll depend on anybody but God. I mean, I can't see God and God seems distant. And, you know, I did great things, you know, the other day or the other year or the other month or, you know, way back in the past. But right now, you know, I'm in a crunch. I'm under pressure and I'm going to lean towards somebody can help me out. You know, England, another powerful nation. You know, let's make an alliance with, you know, whoever and, and let's uh, form, you know, NATOs and powerful things. But God said, what about me? Like, how about like you lean on me? Uh, and then verse 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Okay, so God is saying you've done two things which are evil. You've forgotten about me. I'm going to give you living water. I'm going to be the one that will give you living water. And you've substituted it. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that cannot hold water at all. So God is saying, I'll be a living water, I'll be a spring, it'll be flowing out with water, and uh, you know, you've gone for a big like, hole in the ground with a bunch of cracks in, hoping that you can store this vast amount of water, and actually uh, there's nothing to be stored at all. Um, so, backing up to the, probably the most offensive thing that God sees, and uh, I think we do the same thing, it says this, What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshipped worth, worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Boy, and that's just so indicting because it, the mindset there is this. You know, whatever you worship, you will become. So if you worship idol things, and in their, their case it was literal idols, obviously wooden things that they carved up, but, you know, we worship money and we worship power and we worship prestige. And, you know, and God says, okay, if you focus on that, that's, it's worthless. Uh, don't put that as being more important than worshiping me. And God is saying, I want to be living water. I want to give you life. I proved that I've done it to you in the past. Stay focused. Depend on me. In fact, God is saying, I want you to depend on me. So... You know, I just, again, I've said this a few times, but I want to encourage you. The very fact that you're here at church today, you positioning yourself to be blessed. Uh, it's no small thing in today's society, living here in the Northeast, to say, okay, I'm going to carve out some time, and I'm going to come to church on a Sunday morning. Believe me, I've heard of every other reason of why people aren't coming to church. You know, it's hope. Finally, I get a day to sleep in. I just need time with my family. You know, finally, it's time to go and do some sport. And, you know, I mean, a million different reasons. But I'm telling you, you are positioning yourself for blessing by the very fact that you're prioritizing God and saying, I'm going to come. 
And uh, you, when you make this a routine and you just come in season and out of season, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, you'll, you know, you, it's like school. You don't say to your kids, hey, listen, when you're in the mood to go to school, just go to school. You know, and like, you know, today's going to be the day you'll learn all about science. It's going to be a great day. I mean, the teacher's going to be right on. And No, you're just like, the kid goes to school, they never feel like going. All of a sudden, one day, it's like the lights go on. It's like, yeah, oh, I learned so much. And, you know, those six days, not so much. But, you know, I, I don't know. You, it, but it's the routine. It's like, and, and God is saying, look, one day a week, just like show up. Just be part of, position yourself to be, uh, to be blessed. Have this sort of uh, safeguard of our faith where we say, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to safeguard our faith. We're going to uh, get an attitude of, of, of gratitude. Uh, I want to um, look at something here, which is something which has been sort of cast aside by the church for quite a long time, uh, either evangelical church, that is. And uh, it's a, a practice which has been done by the Catholic Church. And because it's been done by the Catholic Church, those that are very opposed to the Catholic Church, like, oh, I can't possibly do that. And then, you know, others that have, like, sort of been involved in the Catholic Church and have seen some real good things are like, Duh, what's wrong with these dummies? Why don't they see this? But anyway, like 500 years ago, this guy, uh, Ignatius Leola, uh, came up with a bunch of uh, spiritual exercises that were just like really, really helpful. And now all of a sudden, they're really getting popular in evangelical churches. And uh, we certainly are, are practicing them and, and people are leaning into uh, spiritual direction uh, and the big idea here is, how do you take care of your soul? Uh, you, you know, how do you take care of your soul? It, it, it's more than uh, some of the simple things that, uh, you know, we've been saying as evangelicals for a long time. Uh, it, there's more to it. So anyway, uh, Ignatius came up with, uh, with, with this uh, thing called the, the Daily Examine. And uh, for his followers... Uh, he was like so adamant about this daily examine, this spiritual exercise. He said, I don't care whatever else you guys might not do. Uh, you know, if you're too busy to pray or you're too busy to, you, you have to do this spiritual examine. This is the one thing that he said is it, it's not negotiable. And, uh, you know, a lot of his uh, subjects would become like high-ranking uh, high officials. And I think about 1500 Spain. Portugal, you know, many of these guys were, were like not only the bishops, but they became like the leaders of the town and they took on all the town stuff and they got really, really busy and they were high rock, you know, high ranking folks. And, and uh, Ignatius said, look, don't give me all this busyness baloney. He said, you got to do these exercises every day. Okay, no excuses. He was like that strict on it. So I'll give you uh, the way he asked his folks to do it, and then because we vineyard, you know, we always change things and customize it, and, you know, I'll give you my thoughts on that. So uh, here's uh, St. Ignatius, and who am I to improve St. Ignatius? So if you want to just take St. Ignatius, go for it. But uh, let me just give you my practical, <laughs> when trying to do this, I, I, I failed. Uh, uh, and the reason I failed is because he said you need to do this twice a day. And in my busy life, and thankfully I'm not reporting to St. Ignatius, I'm like, I'm too busy, I can't do this twice a day, I tried, it's just like brutal, and it's also brutally good. So, But here's the thing, he said, you have to do it at noon, and you have to do it in the evening. 
So I realized the noon one like wasn't working for me. I just like couldn't do it in the, in the evening. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, life works well for me if I'm in a routine. Now, my routine, you know, if I can do things in the morning, then I know I'm going to get them done. But doing things at noontime, oh, noontime's hard. There's too many variables. But anyway, here we go. Here's these steps if, you, if, you, if you're interested in them. It says, become aware of God's presence. So you stop at noontime, you stop at the end of the day, and you say, Lord, I want to be aware of your presence. The next thing, uh, the next step is review the day with, lo and behold, gratitude. Okay, review the day with gratitude. Uh, then he says, pay attention to your emotions. Now, that's kind of an interesting thought, right? Of all the things he could be listing. Choose one feature of the day and pray from it. And look forward to tomorrow. It's kind of like an interesting list, you know. It, it's not the sort of things you just put together. So anyway, uh, like I said, uh, if you've got a bulletin insert, for what it's worth, uh, I'll give you my tweaks to this. And uh, I will absolutely humbly acknowledge that you might well be better off with Ignatius's thing. He's certainly well more tried and proven. I'm just uh, giving you my tweak because uh, you've got to make these things work. You know, I'm a practical kind of a person. So uh, the first thing that I battled with is to find the best time that works for you. And if noon works and an evening works and you're committed to doing this, great. I just decided, look, I, I, let me try and take small steps. So I thought I'll try and do it in the evening. Uh, and then I thought, well, I'll try and do it before I go to bed. And I realized it's an absolute disaster for me. I'm like, you know, I go until my battery runs out and then I just like fall into bed. You know, my wife's like, you don't even say goodnight or nothing. I'm like, I'm too tired. I'm like, I'm sleeping, you know. And, and then I'm asleep. And I'm like, I'm asleep asleep. And it's like, no, I, I can't. So for me, I had to try and carve out some time at the end of the day before I go home. Okay, so before I go home, that's my slot. And I'm just throwing it out there because it might work for you. Uh, you know, or if you're commuting on the train, coming home, that would be an excellent time. Uh, if you can do this all in your head, in the car, uh, while you're commuting in traffic, maybe. Uh, but find a time. And then, you know, so my deviation from Ignatius is basically once a day before I go home. Uh, the second one, I'm totally with uh, the plan. Uh, invite God's presence into this exercise. You know, so more than just uh, Ignatius was saying, become aware of God's presence. I'm just saying, invite God's presence. Be more active. Like, come Holy Spirit. Um, help me think about what I need to be grateful for. Give me your thoughts, God, uh, you know, of what I should be paying attention to. Because maybe what I think was I should be grateful for is not what God thinks I should be grateful for. So how about we ask the Spirit of God to influence us and to help us with this little exercise. So if you're filling in the blanks on your, uh, your handouts, the first one is find the best time. The second one is invite God's presence. And then like uh, uh, Ignatius, be aware of the emotions that come up in a positive way. You know, I mean, like think about what in, during the day, was there something that you found kind of funny or kind of quirky or something, you know, like elicited a positive emotion to you? And, like, pay attention to that. 
I mean, it's really interesting when you look at that video, right? The guy's phoning his mom, and, and he's like deadpan face. Like, Mom, I've got to tell you a whole bunch of facts. I've got to read this thing. And, and Mom's like, is anything wrong? And, you know, he's like, emotions. Are, no, there's nothing wrong. I've just got to do this stupid exercise. You know, it's like you could do something like, you know, marital counseling on this, like how the guy communicates and how the, the, the woman, the mom is like responding. But, I mean, there's a big emotional connection there. And you know, finally the guy gets through. Okay, I said all this thing. That's great. And the mom's, oh, this is so wonderful, you know, it's great. You know, and he's actually emotional too, but he's just, not, he's just not showing it. But I mean, there's something to connecting with our emotions. And then the fourth thing is reflect on the good. And what I'm saying here is only the good. Only the good things. We don't need any reflection on the bad. That just like comes pretty naturally. We don't have to develop focusing on the evil, the bad, the horrible, the, the things that aren't great. We don't need to develop that. So uh, he has a big deviation for me on Ignatius. Because Ignatius, one of the things was they call it consolations and desolations. Okay, uh, Positive things, good things, and not such good things. I'm like, just forget about the not such good things. They, they come naturally, easily. Just concentrate on the good things. Like Just think of the, the good things. And then write down three things. Like, write down, you know, back to this, those experiments, when you actually write a card, when you write it down, write down three things, uh, because it helps us to focus and articulate. Uh, and then we just give God thanks for it. Now, the important thing here is it can be small things. In fact, I think it's helpful if we start noticing and being thankful for small things. It's not just the huge things, it's the small things. Because uh, otherwise, you're going to sit down like, I had a terrible day. I can't think of anything good. You, you, yeah, just take it down a level. Find something good, something small. You'll find it. Uh, and, and write that down. Uh, then, you know, if you wanted to take a note from the research, if you can then deliver it, that's a huge a added bonus. Like you write a card or you write a letter or you phone your mom or you speak to somebody or you actually deliver the thanks or the, you know, what you're grateful for. That's an that's a added bonus. Now that I wouldn't put as part of your exercise uh, just because it takes too long. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'll just throw those thoughts out there and... Uh, Say, Lord, how do we develop this attitude of gratitude? What are, the, what are the things besides just conceptually hearing the Apostle Paul and saying, give thanks in, you know, uh, for all things and uh, be great. You know, we we uh, want to rejoice uh, in all things. How do we actually do it? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. The Apostle Paul just speaking to us. You know, how do we physically do it? Well, there's an exercise. Why don't you try that during the week? Why don't you give it a go uh, and uh, do what you are doing? Keep coming to church. You know, allow the Spirit of God to move on you. So let me just close and have the worship team uh, come on up, and then at the end of worship we'll do a little uh, ministry time. But uh, Lord, we just pray for your your presence. We just ask, Lord, that you would change us from the inside that you would allow us, Lord, to have an, uh, an attitude that really radiates you, that's, that's winsome. Uh, Lord, that the things that come out of our mouth first are things that are good. And uh, there's thanksgiving. And uh, the first thing we say to others when we see them are good things. And so, Lord, uh, 
we understand part of it is our, you know, you want us to change and to do things in us. But Lord, we also recognize that uh, we just want to say yes to your spirit and yes to the things that you're doing in us. And one of those things, Lord, is being thankful uh, to you and who you are and the ability to worship you and to see your hand in everything that we do. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd open our eyes and open our ears and increase our sensitivity and increase our emotions, Lord, to be in tune with who you are and what it is that you're doing every day in our lives. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.